What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Music Corner. It's in the way. It's Omni. It's your boy Trent. Boom bop. And today is time for a new video episode. Kind of, well, not video, but a new episode style thing that we're gonna kind of test here, uh, where we're kind of gonna go over and compare some bands. You know, it's a new little thing we're trying here. We're gonna take two bands, two artists, two whatever, and in the style of uh, episodes, and just kind of like. Go over their similarities, go over their contrasts, why they're so significant, what they did to shape the genre, what makes their songs and albums vastly different or vastly similar to one another. It's all going to be a whole little test thing that we're doing, but like also a fun thing because starting out with today uh, in the first episode of this, we're going to compare the two two legendary new metal acts, uh, icons, uh, one could say uh, legacy acts now, uh, with Korn and Slipknot within the new metal genre. Uh, both bands kind of started pretty much around the same time as one another, um, just a matter of when the debut came out and everything. And uh, yeah, we're just going to kind of like talk about them a little bit. Um, and I guess, you know, starting out here, we'll talk about their styles, uh, particularly what their music is kind of like and, uh, you know, what their sort of attire and like look is to the general uh, public kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, kind of just like go, you know, back and forth with that sort of thing, add on things that like, you know, are relevant to this. So starting out here, uh, I guess I could say with Slipknot, uh, we can see with their style uh, and musically is much more aggressive on the new metal spectrum here. I would say that it is definitely more, you know, death metal influenced, a little heavy metal influenced, uh, death metal more so in their older stuff, you can definitely say, although sprinkled throughout their career, they've definitely had some riffs, especially on All Hope Is Gone that are very death metal reminiscent. Uh, something that you don't typically really hear in new metal, you know, which, hey, there you go. That makes them, that makes them stand out of quite a bit there in terms of heaviness. And just like, you know, the, it was a, uh, a style that they kind of perfected, I would say, in on that side of heavier new metal music, you know. Uh, and on the contrary with Korn, I mean, when you think about it even too, they're an interesting case because they don't even consider themselves new metal, you know. It was almost kind of like as a, you know, mistake of sorts, you know, where like they just, you know, didn't really, they just thought of themselves as normal, you know, just kind of like a standard heavier rock band. But they, you know, accidentally uh, were coined this, you know, whole genre that is based off of, like, you know, them themselves, uh, interestingly enough. And uh, they definitely have a much, you know, alternative metal rock, a little hip-hop influence kind of thing. I guess you could say even Slipknot also has the hip-hop influences as well with, like, you know, the uses of sampling and, like, you know, DJ stuff and whatnot. But uh, the two definitely, like, have, you know... A huge spot in new metal as so many bands including now just go based off of them for sure and uh it's it's pretty fucking cool to see that and then to like even like compare styling uh in terms of like appearances you know corn with like the whole like you know at least back in the 90s the whole like nike attire kind of thing or adidas you know where that was like very you know 
how, the how purple tracksuit. Yeah. The purple tracksuit is iconic. It is. It and, is. And Corn and uh, Adidas just had that collab actually. Um, That's right. Where they, they yeah they brought the purple tracksuit that you could like actually buy, like a newer like a corn version of it. And I thought that was really cool. Um, and then oh, I think they had shoes too, or something. I think uh, tribal. Yeah, it, but it, it's just cool, you know. It is. It's like see that you know, how many years later that it comes back, right? And like it's it's cool because it's like also, I mean, the the, the word I'm looking for is like you know, it relates to the common man sort of thing. You know, their outfits. You know, their 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 drip, if you will. Like you know, it's something that you could be like, you know, hey, you know, I could I could see myself in this sort of thing. You know, he's like an ordinary. He's like me when I want to be drippy. Um, uh, my my white ass in a purple tracksuit. Hell yeah! Count me in. Buy me three tracksuits. Count mom. me. In. <laughs> count me. You know, first the purple tracksuit, then come the dreadlocks, then come, yeah. literally yeah, the, every new metal fucking thing ever. Um, if, if, fuck it, I'm skipping. I'm skipping the trap pants. We're going right to the tracksuit. Easy. <laughs> so, you, so you have that on the corn side of things, and then with Slipknot, I mean, pff, shit. What, does it need to be addressed? The fucking the masks, the matching, you know, uh, outfits in general, you know, with the Slipknot logo. Oh, all over the it. orange jumpsuits from back in the day. The based jumpsuits. <laughs> yeah. They were, they were, it was very cool. It was very different from like, you know, most bands. And I know that there's still the whole argument of like, well, Mushroom Head did it first, or Gore did it first. Or did it first. Hey, let's see which, uh, let's see which one has aged better. Let's see <laughs> like, which one has the, the bigger album sales and the bigger name and is headlining festivals. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, let's, let's see who perfected it better. You know, and obviously, uh, I I think Guar did pretty good. <laughs> Guar did. Oh no, no disrespect to Guar at all. Of course, like they are very unique in their own way for sure. But like, I mean, if you want to do, if, if you want to talk about a more accessible one, I mean, Slipknot. That, it, it was. It's yeah. both terrifying. Yet you just you really want to see that. You know, like even like I could say like my dad, he is not a fan of Slipknot at all. But he has said like. If you had the chance, it would be pretty cool just to see, like, you know, the masks and everything up front. And I don't blame them. Like, that alone is a really cool reasoning behind it. Um, I mean, shit. One thing, we have the House of Masks in uh, in Chillicothe, Ohio. Um, oh, we do we? Yeah, we do. And we, uh, I, Maya and I went down there uh, last year because her brother uh, goes to the mask fest called Pale Fest. Um, and the guy that makes the masks for Slipknot lives down in Chillicothe. So... Pretty cool. Um, highly, it's, it's. I think it's in like October or something. But highly recommend it. Uh, if you guys have never been down there for Pale Fest, go because it's really really cool. And I think, um, yeah, her brother got some stuff signed by. Uh, who was it? I can't remember. The bassist. What the heck's his name? The new one. Oh shit! I don't know his name. Tortilla Man. Yeah. The no, not Tortilla Man. Uh, he's the bassist. Fuck. The basis of the world. Oh, no, 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 oh, no, no, not the, no, of um, of Slipknot. Oh, it was Sid and Jay. Oh, Sid and Jay. He got stuff signed by Sid and Jay. That's who it was. For oh, uh, Slipknot. Oh, I got you. I got you. That's still, yeah. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, no, it's cool. And um, Jay played uh, he played drums with like and did a bunch of Misfits covers. It's cool. Um, 
but yeah, with uh, going getting back to it, uh, the masks iconic as shit, um, and all the you know changing with every album, uh, and I think it's really cool. Except for Corey's condom-looking mask for, um, not the last album, the one before it. We are not. Your we kind. are not your kind. <laughs> yeah, and I know he had to change it midway through the touring because everyone kept bitching about it. I mean, it was it was one of the weaker ones, though. That's ridiculous. it was definitely one of the weaker ones. Like as much as like all hope is gone is not my favorite album from them. I do love that mask a lot. I think it was really cool, and also the gray chapter mask was really cool because it like detached and all that shit. Yeah, yeah, I, and like even like even just the earlier ones too, like the dread ones were like always really sick, also. But it's definitely like yeah, like the self-titled in Iowa. I feel like it was way more special for the time. You know, because then, yeah. like, after, like, I mean, new metal and dreads go together. They really do. They do. Oh, yeah. Without question. Um, But, I mean, yeah, that's even Trent making the point, too. Like, each time they have, like, a new album cycle, I mean, like, for the most part, all members, if not at least most, change up their masks. And that's something to keep, you know, them fresh as well and relevant in terms of their style. So they have a lot of uh, similarities in that aspect, too, of just, like, kind of like, keeping things fresh. I think Corn, though definitely kind of like lost that flavor in the recent years as in like the past like 10-ish years or so where now it's just kind of like the typical wearing black kind of thing i mean jonathan has like some little bit of drip that has like a little goth aesthetic i would say to it a teeny bit he's got the kilt too he still wears the kilt and we got the kilt you know and we'll get more into like that little thing there too with like their actual music itself in a little bit but Definitely the kilt is a nice touch as well for corn as well. Um, but yeah, and like with Slipknot, I guess, you know, thing you can contrast also with like their mask is like the fact that like sometimes it doesn't really look good, at least in the later years. The later year ones, eh, you know, for, for everyone, it's either kind of just like ordinary or basic or it's just, you know, condom. So <laughs> take, take that as you will. But um, I mean, yeah, that's kind of like, you know, much I could say about that for right now. Um, kind of like passing it along here. Uh, Trent, if you want to take it next, uh, anything else you want to add with like the styles and everything of them? Um, not really, honestly. I mean, with the masks and everything, it's, it's just how it is. I think it's a cool touch. And I do agree that like Slipknot definitely takes the cake on style over corn. Yes, absolutely. It's at least more interesting, more colorful, you know. Cool. It's fun. Um, but okay, yeah, sweet. Uh, Sebastian, anything to add? I, I will say one thing about them that's a little bit like underrated as far as their outfits go. Uh, I I do just love the fact that they every band member did it. Um, a lot of bands in general, whenever they go for like wardrobe and stuff, it's usually all like, okay, everybody pick a different black t-shirt, everybody pick a different pair of black jeans and shoes and whatnot. But like Slipknot and Korn, at least all the members were pretty cohesive in their style. Um, they all, even with the cohesion, they still had differentiality between them. Like you can tell, oh yeah, that's Fieldy's tracksuit. That that's the one that stinks the most of ketamine and pot. You know, <laughs> and like if you look at like Corey Taylor's mask, obviously, like you know it's Corey Taylor, or you know which one's Jay Weinberg, you know which one is like um all the other members and stuff like that. Like you just you know which ones, but it's still cohesive. Like you can look at that and be like, Oh yeah, that's slipknot every time. Um so I, I just I just think it's really cool that both of them had such 
a strong, uh, at least early on, had a really strong foundation of like cohesion that really just, I don't know, it, it kind of reminds me of like back in the olden days of like Kiss and, um, or even older than that with like the Beatles and stuff. Like everybody matched it some sort of way. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, something that really catches your eye, something that you really notice and makes them stand out you know, amongst the rest of everybody else within the genre, at least. Um, yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, anything to add about the music, too? Um, I'll, I'll get to that in, like, separate categories and stuff like oh, that oh, later on. Oh, I mean, even, like, the style at all or anything? Uh, I mean, definitely, like, Korn, I think, leaned a little bit more into the hip-hop stylistics, uh, especially early on. I feel like they were the most uh, hip-hop sounding of the two. I know... Early Slipknot with like a subtitle Subliminal Verses did have a lot of the record scratching and Corey Taylor even soft rapping in some parts. But like, I, I feel like Korn definitely, when I look at them, I'm like, oh, this is new metal. Like, I, I know they don't want to be called that, but this is new metal every time. Uh, Slipknot definitely fit it, but I feel like Korn was the ones to like, yeah, this is definitely like, let's take rap music and combine it with metal to like signify how us white people feel about angst um and like yeah that's that's kind of how i felt about like the music between the two there yeah absolutely i totally agree with you trent did you have anything to add with that as well no i mean i i 100 agree you know yeah for sure i mean like yeah that's just case in point it's just you know hip-hop and yeah that's that's the shit there you go that's the shit (laughs) uh if you did if you did want like a final like for like style i i do think slipknot is just my favorite i guess like between the two because at least they didn't lose the plot in the clothing (laughs) you know i mean like in the style department like even nowadays though their music sounds a little bit different than it used to at least you can look at them and be like, yeah, that's Slipknot every time. Exactly. I'll, I will at least say, I know some people are going to disagree, but like, at least Korn grew up a little bit, you know? Whereas, okay, that's an interesting point, yeah. It's where, like... where it, it's more so because of Corey and, uh, and Sean from Slipknot, because they, they're just such dickheads. <laughs> they just oh, so oh I see what you mean. Now. Ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and like, hey, look, I, I'm still a fan of Slipknot. I still love. I'm still gonna bang out. Like, fucking Eyeless played at work the other day, and I was sitting there screaming it. Um, but like, it's for Slipknot for me now. It's more so. I'm gonna separate the art from the artist. Oh yeah, and I don't blame you there. I mean, like, you, we can all address that they're assholes, but like. They made some bangers, you know. They made some unbelievable oh, yeah. bangers, you know. Yeah, and the case in the case of Corn, like Jonathan Davis, in the past five years, has been through so much shit, mm-hmm. and like you know, their their albums took a turn from that, you know, and the content changed. And I understand, like even like with Requiem when we did it, um, I still enjoyed the album, and but it's not like not obviously not like their old stuff, like the self title or Follow the Leader, but you know. Times change, people change, and uh, porn grew up a little bit more than Slipknot, you know? It's true. It's very true. And, you know, the music definitely shows, as well as, like, you know, I would say their attitude in general, too, because you don't really see corn getting in the news for anything, like, you know, 
controversial, at least not with Jonathan Davis, you know, or any of the main No, guys. yeah. Um, but, no, yeah, I hear you there for sure, too. That's a good point. And uh, even then, that point is like a perfect uh, segue into, uh, you know, the next part where, you know, kind of, I guess, I guess really this is like a second half, but split in two, you know, for uh, this other half, uh, the music itself. Um, and we'll kind of start it out here with like, you know, the big songs, the hits, you know, what made them so, you know, popular to begin with? Because obviously at the end of the day, it comes down to the music and like, you know, the catchiness of it you know, what's, what you're going to remember more. And with Korn, I mean, in terms of singles, like, it's always been pretty consistent, even, I would say, leading up to, like, the later years as well. I mean, for the earlier stuff, you got the iconic opener, Blind, which is just, oh, I mean, oh, like, no other. That is, like, that's, it's a new metal anthem. It is an anthem. That is corn. <laughs> that is the epitome of corn with the build up to the are you ready to the big old breakdown there. I mean, shit. I mean, we've all seen the Woodstock 99 footage when that song was played. The wave, the way that it, make the, it made all those people unknowingly create this literal engulfing wave, you know, of sorts. Like the ocean waves is like something that you don't see even now. I would say you don't see that now. That is something that was because no, all the fans are old. <laughs> well, they're all old, yeah, and even, yeah, and even like the younger ones. Speaking of people being old, sorry. Happy birthday to Jonathan Davis. His birthday was this week. Hey, that's right. He turns was it 50, 52 or something? I think that sounds right. I don't remember. Yeah, some. He's in his fifties, but hey, yeah, happy birthday to Jonathan Davis. Fifty-three. Yep. Yep. Happy Fifty-three. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's just, it's something that's just like, you know, so I, I would say out of the ordinary in a good way, because like they, that shows how much they stand out. And of course, you know, oh, you, yeah. got, you have the more iconic ones then too, like Freak on a Leash. Everyone knows that Falling Away From Me. Um, you could do Here to Stay even, um, I would say even, uh, what was the other one there? Oh, uh, fuck. What was the, oh. which album? Uh, the one with oh, the- coming undone, twisted yes, transistor. Coming undone. Yep, you said it. Coming undone. Yep, exactly. Yep. That one I think was honestly one of the first corn songs I think I ever heard. And the album I wouldn't coming say un- was like, oh, same here. Right. I wouldn't <laughs> even say the album was like huge. Right. Like it was the no. Other- yeah. Follow the, the leader was definitely like a bigger one. Oh, and yeah, then- all the in issues. Both of those were like the yeah well then also from issues i mean with falling away from me i mean also like someone somebody someone and make me bad like make me bad yeah and like here's the thing too when when i'm gonna uh start to like you know uh contrast corn a bit here uh is that songs like make me bad and uh you know somebody what was that one called somebody what Somebody, someone. Somebody, someone, yeah. Those ones just never stood out to me. Like, with Korn, there are some singles that just do not stick out at all. And, you know, they're not bad songs, necessarily. But, like, when you take a look at their discography and everything, it just doesn't really, you know, spark a lot of interest for me. Like, even on Life is Peachy, I mean, I know they have, like, some big songs. I mean, Twist is on there for one. That's probably, like, I don't even know if that was technically a single um adidas it became like tiktok famous it did yeah exactly yeah at, like at the very least internet famous which like you know it's only a 49 second song too so like it 
it's not even a song song it's just an intro a, a very weird intro for an album but um yeah, yeah. Uh, i know i know we talked about you know outcast and of and Queens of the Stone Age having banger openers, but like Twist, that's the most banging opener to an album. <laughs> it, it is. It really is. And it's just like crazy how like, you know, something like that is like not even a single. It just, it's, you know, it's just memorable. It's very, it's very random almost, you would say too. Yeah. And it's just like the very like eerie bass, you know, kind of happening too in that. It's cool, but it's like, you know, it, it's just also something that doesn't really like, you know, a lot of the songs on the album don't stick out to me as much, um, even with uh, some of their middle ones. But, like, that's the thing. We'll, we'll get to the albums like that later on. But, like, just the songs in general, like, they start to, like, kind of, like, fade into obscurity, I would say. Like, there's nothing that really, like, you know, really clicks with you other than the OG stuff, the OG singles in that case. And then... Yeah, I, with Bl- or, uh, sorry, Twist for me, I have ingrained in my memory... Because Sebastian used to have it as his fucking alarm for like, morning. Yeah, for like six years. Yeah, for like yep. Six years. Any <laughs> any time I would spend the night, it'd be like seven thirty in the morning, and I would just be woken up by. I'm like Jesus Christ, Sebastian. <laughs> You're like really, we have to wake up. For this? Dude, no. it helped me wake up. Okay, it was very sudden. <laughs> hey, hey, I at one point I had wake up by Suicide Silence as my alarm. You know, it was very fitting. Oh, yeah. It works. You wake up. <laughs> Mine was senseless massacre by racist Saturn. I what the fuck is wrong with us? <laughs> you know, Dude, get up and go. Growth. You've changed your alarm now to like the standard alarm settings. <laughs> yep. Dude, my mine now is ripping terror from the Doom soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking wild. I love it though. Um but yeah, so like that's kind of like with the corn singles. I mean, like the, you hear them, you know them, but some of them just don't stick out as much. Whereas with yeah. slow, oh shit, even sorry, I wanted the newer corn singles. Sorry, I totally fucking lost my way. But the uh, oh, off of uh, Serenity of Suffering rotting with in uh, Insane, Rotting in Vain, and Different World featuring Corey. Yeah, like those three singles, I think were I really really good. And then off the nothing. You had um, Can You Hear Me, which was a huge song because it talked about like the internet and all that stuff. And it was, just, it was really, really big, at least for, you know, that time. Um, but then I with Requiem, we really didn't I really didn't hear anything with I, it. I mean, there were singles, of course, but like, yeah, there was nothing at all that stood out. Like, I guess Start the Healing yeah. was the big one. I don't. Couldn't even I couldn't even hum you the fucking melody. <laughs> yeah, same. But like with a different world with Corey Taylor, I mean that was obviously big because, you know, it's Corey Taylor, and that's why I wanted to bring it up because a perfect segue to going to Slipknot. So yes. I wanted to stop you before we transition. Perfect point too. Yeah, yeah. Because like the thing is, is like you know, and like you guys can even touch on this more too. I know Trent, like you kind of did with like the later stuff, but if you had more, absolutely go ahead when we get to yeah. you. But um, the later singles, it those are really just not memorable at all. I would say, I mean, like I couldn't tell you any of the singles from uh, the paradigm shift. Um, I recently listened to the path of totality and when they did like that little Skrillex kind of crossover thing and like they had the song oh, get yeah. up on there. I mean, the song is fine, but like, I mean, and I guess I do remember like a little bit of like, you know, little beats and everything, but it, 
doesn't really stick out. It's nothing I would want to return to in general. Um, the narcissistic cannibal. Oh. oh. What an absolute, what an absolute banger. I mean, but yeah, also get get up for me in like, God, I want to say like sixth or seventh grade, like right when it came out, and I was like, "This is me, like <laughs> this is my song." No one else is like, allowed to have this. This is my moment. Yeah, like get up. Yeah, I'm getting up in the morning. That's how it <laughs> songs about me. I love that. Um, no, but, but like it's doing corn and Skrillex. Like it was such a a different. A different thing, and I'll, I'm going to touch on that a little bit more. I want we're going to circle back actually to that album because that yeah. album I think is very unique in its own way. But like you know, for now singles, let's transition with like Slipknot kind of thing here. Um, unless actually like real quick, Sebastian, like do you have anything to add with the Corn single? Yeah, with with Corn singles, I, I I do like Corn singles quite a bit. I mean, there's a lot of really a lot of really notable ones. Obviously, Adidas. Uh, I, I think thoughtless is pretty good as well. Um, got the life, obviously freak on a leash. I think freak on a leash the life was, like, was a single. Yeah. yeah there's just a, there was a lot of cool singles. I mean, I, I will say like, I'm surprised any of these songs were singles in hindsight because they are very weird for the typical kind of, uh, crowds for MTV at all. I mean, yeah, you had Limp Bizkit, which was also new metal, but, like, they were pretty damn accessible. Like, a lot of these songs don't have the most catchy riffs, the most catchy, like, rhythms for any song. A lot of them are very, uh, like, very, like, chuggy, very heavy at the same time. So I, I always found it crazy how, like, things like Freak on a Leash were huge. I mean, especially with, like, the metal jazz scatting. No one did that. And it was the 90s. The 90s was weird as shit already. And then you had these fucking dudes in track suits fucking Ella Fitzgerald's uh, jazz scatting over, like, hip-hop with uh, distortion. Like, it, it was, like, some of the most wild shit. Um, yeah, I, I really like a lot of their singles. I will say, after about, like, mid-2000s, their singles to me got really, really hit or miss. Uh, I'm not going to say it was bad or anything like that. It was just, it it, it kind of just lost a lot of the hype, a lot of the luster that a lot of the older singles once had. And I, I don't know. I, I really fell out with the band in their later times. Like I still stick to all that older, all that like older material, but yeah, the, the newer singles definitely didn't really grip me as much to be like, okay, well I'm going to listen to path of totality now. Like, I was kind of like, uh, okay, that's cool. I'm glad to see that they're still around, you know, yeah. more so than I was like genuinely hyped and ready to go, uh, check out their newest album. Right. Yeah. And it, and it happens too, with like, you know, bands like that going into like their later years. It's like, sometimes they don't really just become as interesting with the singles anymore, but like you still jam the music. You still go see them at the shows because, you know, you're going to get the hits at least that, you know, and sometimes even those singles might sound better live. You never know. You never know until you see them. Um, but yeah, Trent, did you have anything to add to with the corn before moving to Slipknot songs? Yeah, I guess I think for me, it's just like, I don't know. I guess I might've just stayed with new metal a little bit longer than you guys. So like some of those later singles, like I mentioned off of Serenity of Suffering um, and the Nothing, um, 
that I just those are prevalent to me because like even like back in God, even back when the nothing came out in 2019 like I still wasn't even really into metalcore all that much yeah. it wasn't till after, it wasn't until after high school that I started to get into it so it's like new metal for me and like all, all that heavy metal and death metal and stuff like that's where I that's where I was comfortable you know mm-hmm. it's like my brother with thrash metal like <laughs> it's comfort music it's comfort music it is but no yeah so like a lot of that stuff's a little bit more prevalent to me um especially with serenity of suffering um in 2016 that was such like a at least for me like a, a very like, yeah like you know what like you said like comfortable um with insane rotting in vain and different world like and because that's especially 2016 that's when like a bunch of shit was going on for me so like this album coming out, I'm like Corn's got a song with Corey Taylor. Like, oh my god, this is nuts! It's happening, guys! It's happening! Sound the alarms! Literally, oh. but no, yeah. So it's just like, yeah, a, a little bit of a, a different world for me. I get you. I definitely get you there. Like, and especially like with that whole nostalgic feel to it too. Like, it, mm-hmm. just, it, it reminisces with you better. So, like, I hear you. Um, but hell yeah, and then moving along to the opposite side of things here, Slipknot singles. I mean, whew, what to say about the Slipknot singles? I mean, I think literally leading up to We Are Not Your Kind a little bit here, every single from Slipknot has been absolutely amazing, incredible, banger, uh, banger, <laughs> yes, all around. And like the thing is, too, and like, um, well, again, it might be mentioned in a little bit here again. Slipknot has less albums than Corn. That is obvious, and that typically means you know you're not going to get as m- the, like uh, that. Really means Corn has more songs, technically more singles than Slipknot would. You know, um, if you just take all that into consideration, unless Slipknot were to go all out and make an entire album just singles, but not the case here. Um, with Slipknot, though, they just have such a way of making things so memorable, whether it's, like, you know, a unique guitar lick or a very long-winded scream that, like, you know, it, it just is in your face. And I mentioned, and I, I referenced People Equal Shit to that, but, like, even if you think about it, too, People Equal Shit actually was not a single, you know? That is genuinely just a huge hitter, huge opener, technically, from yeah. the album. yeah. You know, it's weird to think about because I feel like that's like, you know, one of the biggest ones there from their discography in general. But that's the thing, too, where it's like, you know, compared to Korn, Slipknot's, um, I guess you could say, obscure or non-single songs are genuinely like very memorable as well. You know, with, you know, the opposite of Korn not being as much with some songs, at least to me, you know, some of the not single songs Slipknot has so many that really, you know, stick inside my head. You know, like a, another big one for me, I think it's actually my favorite Slipknot song, is The Blisters Exist. Not a single, Ooh. not a single, but a banger of a song. Like, the drumming on that song, it just, to me, is like so clean. It is like so fucking clean. And the production on that song in general is just like some of the mo- best in metal period i would say it's awesome it's absolutely fucking amazing I'm, I'm still so mad that when we did that uh 
guess the song challenge, Sebastian and I both both missed that one. That's right. Yeah, because we couldn't remember the fucking song name because he never says it. Oh yeah, he never does. It's one of the songs he doesn't. Which I think, to be fair, there are some songs that like. No, no, that's a lie. There are a lot of songs that he does say the name of the song. You know, like people equals shit. Whoa, whoa, he says that. (laughs) Um, no, but it's like crazy. Like they seriously have some of the best singles. When you get to the later years, though, with "We Are Not Your Kind" and the end so far, it gets a little shaky. I mean, I love "Unsainted." I think in their later years, that's like their best single uh, in terms of like the past five years. You know, but um, I know a lot of people love Solway Firth and Nero Forte, but I those ones. Don't do anything at all for me. Dude, I, Nero Forte? Are you serious? I, Dude, that's such a headbanger. And I know. I know. Like, I... So many people say that, too. I've heard the song. I get it. But for me, it just doesn't... It, it doesn't click. It doesn't get to me. Um, and then with the end so far, we had, like, you know, the Shappleton, the Shappletown rag, the dying song, and Yen as kind of, like, the big songs. And those ones aren't... Well, well I don't... I, I the I don't remember the one. They, they really just aren't that good. They I'm just going to be real. Yeah. Like, it, the I, writing. I yeah. No, yeah, you go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, like, when it comes to after All Hope is Gone, which we, we haven't really gotten much afterwards, but, like, I would say from All Hope is Gone to the newest album, um, I, I can't even fucking remember the newest album, of course, because I'm the whatever but uh <laughs> yeah the the songs themselves i feel like take a huge nosedive in uh writing and I, like i think it's because like it's not even that's not as catchy i feel like the lyrics are just not as impactful they're not things i would see blown up and put on like some uh tool and die guys office you know i i it's not something i would see put on a shirt as much um you know, like when I or even made into TikTok samples, like how many times have you seen, you know, people use uh, Left Behind or and obviously those have longevity and nostalgia on top of it. But how many times do we see those songs used for those type of little like clickbaits? But then like when you get to like Nero Forte and stuff, yeah, they use it for like maybe their concert series, but I just don't see it as like projected everywhere and i just i just don't think like people really resonate as much with the writing compared to like those think, early days i think the one that stood out was we are not your kind the like this the song because yeah. it didn't even make it onto the album we are not your kind it was just to well, promote like, a fucking clothing like. line Talk about all out life. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that all out life. Fucking, it says we are not your kind of yeah. the damn song. <laughs> one of them, whatever the fucking song was, but like it, it was just to promote a clothing line. Yeah, that was it. It is like that's the best you could do, and you're in like these later years. Like you, it, you know uh, what you you bring this point up right, and I want to do a whole separate episode of this, and that we we surely can. That is a clear example of Slipknot truly becoming a brand over a band. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, that indicator right there was, like, a huge... I mean, and I'm sure there was hints earlier on, but that was a huge one of, like, no, we stand on this hill, that we care more about the Slipknot brand, the the, the merchandising and marketing of the brand, than we do of the band itself. Like, 
you know you're going to see us on a headliner. You know you're going to see us headline festivals. But we don't care about it. We want to push the brand onto you. It's And a lot of bands do this. And we can totally get into that in a whole separate episode. But that is a very just solid point there that I'm glad that you brought up. Because, yeah, that... Yeah, well, like, look at somebody like Kyle from Brand of Sacrifice, right? He has Shibori. Does he push it? No. He's just like, hey, we got this coming out. If you want it, go for it. If not, no worries. And everyone's like, yes! he's, not, he's not making it Brand of Sacrifice. You're right. Shibori and Brand of Sacrifice are separate. And okay, the Brand of Sacrifice clothing comes from Shibori, obviously. But it's not like a thing that he has ever pushed, at least to my knowledge. Unlike Slipknot, who's like, you got to buy the goddamn merch. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay, I didn't know you were Kiss now, but all right. Also, also, fuck Slipknot a second time. <laughs> um, I I bought the Mick Thompson Halloween mask that they had, the uh, silicone one. Yeah. That That is one of the worst things I've ever fucking purchased. Because it was it was like thirty five or forty dollars plus an extra twenty five for shipping because I think it was coming from California. Um, yeah, that's that's so, high though, especially within the yeah. yeah, that's pretty yeah. high. Yeah, and I got it, and it was like something that I could have bought at fucking five below. Like the quality on it was the lowest I've ever seen. I was like, I could have made a paper mache mask way better than this. It would it would have cost me half the price. Like it was, I I threw it away and I wrote an email to them. I was like, "This is the biggest piece of garbage that I've, I never got an email back." But <laughs> like, it it pissed me off so bad. And that was that was right before um, that was before we are not your kind came out. Right, right. So that would have been like right in that time when um, all out life, when all out life came out. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, they really just yeah. It's unfortunate there. Like I said, that's going to be a whole separate episode because we can go. On. Yeah, we can. There are so many. Write that down. We gotta write that down. Write that down. Uh, write that down. It's 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 wild. But going back, oh, Corey, to the, get him on the phone. Get get him on the phone. Um, but going back to like yeah, the main uh, singles, kind of like to wrap it up on my end. It's like they just have the bigger ones and the better ones. Like it is like leagues better, you know, than most, if not everything that. Corn has released and song wise, but um, you know, I could see like the other side of things if like you know maybe somebody felt more attachment to the lyrics on Jonathan's end. But it's not like Corey's not writing about some also like deep, dark, and serious shit, especially on the old Slipknot stuff. I mean, that is as dark as it gets. I mean, we'll get to the album, but Iowa, I mean, come on now, you know, it's. It's it's there, you know. I didn't really mention it with corn. I actually forgot to, but like you know, corn. Also, like I'm actually gonna like make the, this is just a whole separate thing, real quick here. Both bands also, when you think about it, have like a song that is just like so deep, dark, and like fucked up that like you know, like fans of the band, like you know, a standard fan, like kind of what we were talking about earlier, um, yeah, before recording, they wouldn't know. But like if you know these bands, know know them, you know these songs. With Korn's daddy, of course, being, you know, the one on their end with the harsh themes of, like, you know, not even about, like, you know, abuse from a father figure, but from the, a mother, if I'm not mistaken. It was a uh, babysitter. Baby? Oh, was it the babysitter? I thought it was a mom. No, it was um, uh, Jonathan Davis's babysitter. It was a babysitter. Oh. That's- yeah, if, if I remember correct, because I think he told the story at one point on an interview. Right. I mean, the whole song is just 
extremely dark. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, who, whoever it was aside, it's fucked up. Very. Yes, very much so. And then, so you have that. And then you have Slipknot's Iowa title track, which the, the, the background of how that song was recorded is already fucked up as it is. Uh, and to already realize, once you realize that the song is actually about having sex with a certain particular thing of sorts, then you're like, Oh, you know, on top of all of that. And both songs are also, like, lengthy, you know? So you already know it's going to be quite a shit show. Um, But, I mean, there's, the, like, both bands, you got to respect, like, you know, that type of dedication, that raw energy that came from both songs. Like, raw at the, you know, at the pinnacle of its meaning. Uh, both songs is just absolutely like you know incredible in its nature, but very sad it, when you like you know realize what they were kind of going through at that time, both physically and mentally, in both respective parties. But um, yeah, just the point I wanted to also make with the songs from them. But uh, yeah, no, I, and I'm I'm gonna add on that really quick yeah. to go. I'm I'm gonna dig into it. I'm gonna dig go into for it. it. Go for um, it. Because it's it's worth it. Because you know, if there is anybody listening that is like a corner slow not fan and hasn't listened to these songs, oh boy, you're in for a treat. Um, <laughs> but start starting with with Daddy. I mean, all the I mean, is it what seventeen minutes long? There's some shit. Uh, like it's Daddy actually is not that long. No, there's no way. Daddy is only oh no, you know why? You know why? Because there's the hidden track. That's why I'm getting mixed up. The, you know, the hidden tracks added on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but all the the crying and stuff is like Jonathan actually crying in the recording booth, and they just let it go. And I think uh, I think it was Monkey who said something about it. He was like, "Yeah, he's like, we just let him do his thing, and we you know let him get it all out, and then afterwards we were you know made sure he was okay and everything, but they left it on, and Jonathan was okay with leaving it all on. And then in Corey's case with Iowa, like him like cutting himself in the recording booth and like those screams are his. It's absolutely, it's so nuts. It's so nuts yeah. to like have like, those like such emotion filled and like pain filled songs. And oh man. And both, both those albums deal with like some really serious issues. Um, it, it's, it's, it's wild. And like, that's also, it's well, at least for the sake of uh, Slipknot, it's funny because like I can't go back to that album so often just because of how like dark it is. Like it, it really puts me in a, a you know a, a a very like not happy mood. You know, it's like genuinely, it's the only album I can say that really puts me in an off mood just because of knowing everything behind it, what the band was going through with like the turmoil against each other, and like you know that song alone. With Corn, I can go back to, but like that one is just yeah, it's a tough one. I crack up because then there's me on the complete opposite end that if Iowa comes on in the car while I'm driving, I'll just leave it on. Let's go. Crank that shit up. <laughs> I'm like, there, like yeah, just tapping my wheel. I'm like, you're my first, my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Snapping along with it. <laughs> Snapping along, yeah. So it's like, cause like, yeah, and like back in the day when I sit there, both earbuds in, in a dark room, you know, curtains closed sitting there eyes closed listening to i like fucking iowa like yeah i would and i'd like yeah i'm I'm dark and mysterious um <laughs> you know but like nowadays i'm like it, it, the song is a song and i appreciate it for what it is so it 
but there are just like left behind when it comes on sometimes like if it comes on at the right moment i'm like i i'm going back to fucking middle school like it's it's nuts the left but left behind was my song back back in the day i get it yeah i mean I would say that one would be kind of for me too. If we're talking like Slipknot a little bit and like you know twenty fifteen ish, it'd be either that or um, people equal shit for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I hear you there for sure. Um, yeah, that's kind of kind of my point. I think Slipknot definitely has the better songs in general. Um, but uh, Sebastian, I want to hear from you. What you what you got to say about uh, Slipknot here, song wise? Song wise, I I mean, as I was saying earlier, they're the writing is very much untouchable i would say in the just as a as an overall band um i i obviously don't think their later albums stack nearly as high as their uh stuff I, i'm just going to say uh pre and post paul gray and um and joey jordan's and dying slash leaving the band uh i i just think with those two at the helm of the writing along with Corey, it was like it, lightning in a bottle every time. Um, and once both of those members unfortunately left slash uh, passed away, I feel like that what Trent was saying earlier about the brand thing just became more and more uh, apparent. I mean, it just it showed for, sure. for me the most, like especially in the singles. Because when I heard like Nero Forte, I'm like, okay, where's the really catchy chorus? Where's the really like, you know, anthemic kind of uh, verses going through? Where's the, you know, everything that was making Slipknot Slipknot? You know, obviously bands change over time. I'm not expecting them to never change. But you can just tell there was just a little bit of soul that left the band during that time. And, you know, I, I will circle just a little bit back to Korn here. Uh, I think their writing has been good. You know, I, I think it's just more consistent overall. Um, but like with, I don't know, with Slipknot, like their, their, uh, their singles, their bigger songs mean a lot more to a lot more people. And a lot, uh, for a lot of people, it's like their gateway too for a lot of heavier music because corn yes while heavy they didn't really have a lot of the crazy like heavy stuff that you would hear off of slipknot they had really chuggy riffs they had some harsher vocals but slipknot had like straight up you know death metal straight up and a lot of it was on like really big uh radio stations and like really big mtv plugs as well um a lot of it was also featured in the lob hot topics a lot of really accessible areas and like that's the other thing is just it's super accessible every every single slipknots that came out during that time i'm talking about it's just so accessible like people that don't know slipknot super well can still probably sing the before i forget or like psychosocial even uh what's his name mgk was like hey i don't know this band very well but can i have you Corey taylor sing like psychosocial you know it's like it's it's so accessible that you even got like people from completely different genres being like, yeah, I I, I fuck with this, I get it. Uh, right, it's yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean that kind of like settles it there. Unless Trent, did you have anything else to add with the singles? Because I think we we've kind of covered everything with songs. Yeah, we we pretty much covered everything. Yeah, 
I mean, there you have it, you know? I mean, so, like, uh, Sebastian, what, which one would you say then? I, I, I'm sorry, like you said already, but, like, between the two, who do you think would have the better song? Uh, definitely Slipknot overall. Yeah. I'm not saying Korn is bad. Like, I will I will never say Korn is, like, worse as, like, like you know, by any means. But in this category specifically, I think Slipknot definitely has it. For sure. Yeah, that's that's a full agreement. (laughs) I mean, as as much as corn singles mean to me, Slipknot definitely takes it. For sure. I mean, like, I I think we can say who the better band is at this point, but we have another thing to talk about. So let's let's wait a minute here. Let's let's you know let's give it a second and let's move on to the final part here. Uh, talk about their albums now, the full lengths here. As previously mentioned, Corn has the most amount of albums here uh between the two bands and in fact uh, they really have a ton of albums you know they have 14 albums which for a band their size is like both impressive but also kind of like i don't know almost like a head scratcher to me because okay to me is that including live albums no that's just studio they have four, fucking they, serious? they only have three live albums they have fourteen. No fucking Scott Corn has fourteen albums. They do. They do. They, it's it's pretty crazy to think about, but like they were the mid two thousands and the two thousands in general. They were popping off with some left and right, and even the the nineties too. I mean, like their first four albums all in the nineties, and then you know you got like one, two, three, four. You got another four in the two thousands, and then really you have five in the twenty tens decade, like. It's it's pretty crazy. Then you have the one, of course, from 2022, Requiem. Um, here's the thing. I will admit firsthand, I have not listened to every single Korn album. There are definitely the ones in the middle-ish area there that I just, you know, haven't gotten around to. But here's the thing also. Do you really ever hear anybody talk about, you know, the Untitled album or Korn 3, Remember Who You Are? Um, anybody that's not me, no. I, I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Wait, and, you know, you said Corn Three. The album is called yeah. Corn Three. Remember? Yeah, remember who you are. I I've straight up never heard of this. <laughs> I, I you have. I used it as a recommendation once on the podcast. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I I genuinely okay. Yeah, I, I know it's such an obscure it, one. It's such an obscure one. It must have been like wow. an old one too that you did. Did you do it like 2020? Yeah, it was like 2020. Like the song Oildale off that album is like absolutely banging. I mean, it's I'm such gonna, a good song. I'm going to listen to. It. I'm going to get around to it and everything for sure. You know, so, yeah, do it for an album a day or some shit. Oh, it will. It will definitely. Have. I mean, I did. Uh, Path of Totality recently for because I was that was the one that like stuck out the most to me and I guess I can like start out with mm-hmm. here with Path of Totality obviously previously mentioned that was the Skrillex album you know that was the dubstep influenced new metal album drum and bass kind of thing you know and what I find really cool about this album is that like I feel like and I could totally be wrong here and like anybody can come at me about this if I'm wrong you know but like I feel like they were definitely the band that popularized the idea of combining metal and dubstep because I feel like we can kind of get that more often now, or at least in the like late 2010s decade, that was kind of popping off a little bit, you know, like with the bands like the Browning. And then in recent times we have Sullivan King who combines those elements. And like, he's already, you know, he's opening for Avenged Sevenfold. What was that? Darko. Darko even. Yeah. Darko. Yeah. I mean, like it's, 
it is very, you know, kind of popular, you know, in the metal genre. And Korn seemed like to be like one of the first ones to do it. I don't know if anyone else really came before them with this specific style of like actually combining, you know, the genres in the way that they did. But it was, you know, for the time, it was probably pretty whack. You know, because, you know, when dubstep was kind of coming around, people, I feel like that was like a really, you know, despised genre, you know, for the time. It was just like, you know, fuck this, you know, anyone could use a computer and press buttons and shit, you know, like that was definitely the reputation dubstep had and probably to a little bit of an audience still has now, you know, of the whole like, oh, anyone can use laptop kind of thing. But no, in recent times, you know, as in, like, the past, like, five years in my life, I've come to realize that, like, you know, there is actual skill that comes into this because you cannot just press random buttons and call it a day with that's music, you know? There actually does have to be some, you know, there's, like, timing involved and, like, you know, there's definitely, like, needing to know how to use the actual, like, you know, drum and bass and, like, you know, the synth and whatever the fuck, you know, there has to be some skill with it in order to get that sound that you hear. And having that combination with corn was probably like a very unique time point in both new metal and dubstep. You know, it was a collaboration that nobody expected. Um, but it went so under the radar that, you know, I feel like this album might even be laughed at still today, but it actually had some significance, I would say in, you know, both genres in some way. You know, like, obviously it doesn't have, it's not like, you know, the almighty greatest thing to ever come into music, but it was definitely a, mo a moment in time that, you know, is almost like forgotten about. So it's really cool to have Korn be the kind of band that, uh, will be the band that had this sort of thing. Cause you have Linkin Park who did something very similar, you know, they had like a whole remix album for their living things, um, studio album. I forgot what the name, of, I think it's called like recharged or something like that. Um, and reanimation even too was like, you know, not dubstep, but it was definitely like, you know, you know, DJing kind of thing, you know, remixes of like hybrid theory songs. But, you know, they were definitely like the bigger ones to do that as well here. But like, you know, the songs weren't necessarily like all heavy. Whereas with the corn album, this was meant to be like a genuine corn album, but with dubstep into it. And obviously I, I would say corn is a bit heavier than Linkin Park in an overall sense, but you know, they were the heavier band to do that. So it definitely had a big influence and in everything. Um, so it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to see. Um, so there's that with that album for sure. Um, other ones though, I mean, like I said, the, the record three untitled album, I know see you on the other side has uh, coming undone and I'm sure a couple other ones on there too, but that one, I, again, like I don't, it doesn't come up in conversation. Like their first four albums are the big ones that come into conversation. And then after that is a big hit or miss. Cause I feel like untouchables that comes up a little bit often. I would say the serenity of suffering from 2016 was one that kind of popped off a little bit as well. Um, you know, like we mentioned with like Ronin and Bane, insane black Metal soul. I feel like that album really did have like a pretty big moment for corn again like almost a a resurgence of sorts for the band because i feel like at the time that really did like you know help them do some numbers and even like looking at their numbers in general like that was the last time they had a top five billboard album so kind of proves the point there i would say um but yeah in in, in terms of just al album 
memorability. It doesn't really come often with Corn, other than those first albums that like just are classic new metal, alt metal albums. You know, with the self-titled, like just Peachy, Follow the Leader, and Issues. I mean, those are the ones that you hear everywhere, and for good reason, as those are probably like the best in not only Corn's catalog but the new metal genre itself. You know, it makes sense, perfect sense, I'd say. Um, but kind of going around here, uh, Sebastian, what do you have to say with about their albums? I think Corn has some really good quality albums in the beginning. Um, <laughs> I it's it's really hard to it, it's really hard to say how good their beginning was. Like it, it's it, it's hard to say because everyone's talked about it. It is one of the biggest pop-offs in the 90s, like, ever. I, or in the 90s ever, wow. In the 90s, period. Uh, they are just one of the biggest bands to have ever resurged out of metal. And they did it so unique, so fucking just different. And, yeah, I, I mean, look at, like, just the self-titled. As soon as you hear Blind, everyone's going crazy. I mean, even when you go into follow follow the leader, it just you have some of the most like iconic songs on there with their main singles of Freak on a Leash and like uh, it's on or not it's on as a single, but like, got the life and stuff. Like you just got so many cool songs on there, and then moving on to issues, I they're so cool. Like they're, with falling away from me, uh, wake up, it's gonna go away. It's there's just a lot of cool stuff going on. Life is peachy as well with the aforementioned twist as well. There's just a lot of cool stuff on there, and as the band went on, they still had some pretty good albums with Untouchables, with See You on the Other Side, but after that, things, I, I don't, I'm not going to say nosedived or anything, I feel like they, they did what I think more bands should do, and they got experimental, they did different things, they tried different outings, did all the different outings sum up, at, or come up with anything great? Not for me personally, but at least they tried to reinvent what they were. It's it's a hard style to keep making new, so they have to like improvise. They have to see what's current. They have to see what's like coming in, and they're like, okay, well, how can we combine this with our sound to make a corn album? You know, um, Path of Totality. I still think there's a huge pipeline that goes from that to like your modern day Darko. Like without that, you definitely would not have the kind of Darko album that you would have today. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with just acceptance. A lot of metal people are very archaic. A lot of metal people are very much uh, Neanderthals and they think that everything has to be analog instruments and that we can't have anything computer generated. But I think Korn did do some help to break the stigma with that album and kind of propel metal in a direction that involves a lot more techno elements to just further the landscape and make it a lot more suitable for modern era because the only way for metal to survive is to grow. And yeah, I think Korn did that really well with that album. But then they <laughs> then they kind of just released a lot of other albums afterwards that were just there. I mean, I've never... I've never listened to a lot of these. I mean, the Paradigm Shift, never listened to uh, Serenity of Suffering. I, I listened to like one or two songs, but that was about it. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of stuff around here. But 
at least I can say that this band was at least consistent enough to not turn into like Limp Biscuits later stuff or um I'm trying to think of other bands that just really shot themselves in the foot later on, like a Motley Crue or anything like that, where they like they wandered away a little bit too much from what made them and they lost the plot. You know, at least Korn was consistent enough to still have that brand recognition, or at least sonically speaking, that brand recognition. And yeah, I I I, I give them a lot of respect, even though I really don't care about much of their later work. I respect the fuck out of them for continuing and not making a mockery of what was once there. Amen. Amen, brother. I hear you. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm really just going to have to better myself with that. Uh, Trento, anything to add as well with this? No, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's, it's kind of funny because, like, I do agree. Like, corn in the beginning, banging. But, like, the the midsection stuff is just, you know, if you're not, like, a huge Korn fan, then you're not going to listen to it, you know? Like, we talked with Korn 3. Like, do y- y'all barely knew that album was there. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I really don't know a single song off there, but I'll listen to it. I'm, I want to now. Just to like, yeah, well, and it's funny because I know you're going to listen to it, and you're going to be like, okay, well, yeah, it's, it's another Korn album. <laughs> right, right. You you're, you're gonna be like you're gonna be like you gave me all this shit like what is going on what the fuck trent no <laughs> no you never know though. i might i might even think it's the greatest porn album ever you there's no maybe other. but no i mean like when when you think of corn like I, in my immediate thought is to go issues follow the leader life as peach or, or the self-title like that's that's just it and if you ask me anything else, then it's serenity of suffering, and then and then the nothing, and then barely anything in between. Um, but the, like the paradigm shift is actually a pretty decent album. Pray for me, spike in my veins, paranoid and aroused. Uh, like it's pretty good. And I know I already talked about the serenity of suffering or suffering, but I actually do. I think that's one of my favorite corn albums. Um, I think I'd put it like over life as peachy actually. Um, if I had to put it on like a scale, uh, the nothing I think was also pretty solid. Old has one of like probably Jonathan Davis's hardest like lyrics or like vocal stuff. Like he goes very very low deep growl, and it's it's really interesting to hear it. But yeah, overall, I think the discography's solid. You know, they kept it going for that long, so. Kudos to them, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so moving along then to the final part, I guess, with Slipknot's albums. I mean, like I said, they have the le- lesser of the albums here. It's a total, what is that, like a three, two, one, eleven, seven. Okay, they have like seven albums, right? Literally like half of what Korn has. <laughs> um, and in those seven, I mean, there, there's probably like the five of them, which are all back to back to back, you know, are some of the greatest, like, you know, metal albums I think I've ever heard, period, you know, and that might sound like an exaggeration. However, volume three for one is probably one of the best metal albums I've ever heard, period. Like that would probably be like a top five at the most top 10 best metal album ever, because that one is just such a that holds such a you know near it's near dear to my heart. 
it is so iconic for me. It has so much nostalgia, high school nostalgia, but, you know, it's just everything about it is absolutely incredible. The song structures, the mixing of it. I mean, I was even, I know I was talking about how, like, you know, the blisters exist. Best song from the band, in my opinion, also has, like, you know, some of the best production, but the whole album itself is just perfect for what it is, you know? And I love how, like, you know, dark and somewhat mysterious it kind of ends too with danger keep away i don't know something about that song it just also feels so different too to the rest of the album but like it works so well especially as an ender um iowa as previously mentioned it's a great album it's one that i just cannot go back to at least often because of how dark everything is within that album it is like no other it is truly to me like no other album and i know that there are heavier albums out there probably even darker albums out there for sure. But the one that just like, you know, really holds like such a high point for me is that album. And I mean, that's also just what makes it so good in and of itself. The self-titled album. I mean, shit, the first literal, like, like what, like five to six songs. If you're including the uh, intro bit thing are the iconic slipknot, you know, songs that like they almost always play at every show. You know, it just has, you know, such memorabilia. There is, it really, really, let's be honest here. Sick, eyeless, sweet, and bleed, surfacing, spit it out. And if you want to throw in Tattered and Torn, sure. Those songs are what Slipknot is in terms of, like, sound, you know? Because you have your new metal. You have your hip-hop influences. You have your death metal influences. You have the old metal stuff. You have... Everything that has been their career within those sequence of songs. And, I mean, sure, you could argue that maybe some other albums, they had similar, you know, sounds and everything to that, too. You know, it had similar genre blending as well, if you want to call it genre blending. But, like, for the band itself, these, like, five to six songs are truly what Slipknot has become over the years, you know? I mean, you got your heavy sick. You got your, you know, wild sporadic eyeless. You have your you know, kind of melancholy, somewhat slowed down at times, wait and bleed. Um, you have the rap bits of spit it out, you know, like it's truly all there on one album, on one half of an album, basically. It's amazing. And then all hope is gone. I mean, I <sighs> this album, too, is like the epitome of Slipknot as well in terms of like album as a whole. You know, I mean, like, this is the one that a lot of people, you know, well, maybe not a lot of people, but, like, I think this is the mainstream one, I would say. This one was, like, you know, the Black album equivalent, I would say. And I can hear the argument of Volume 3 as well could be there, but considering that All Hope is Gone went number one, and it was their first number one album on the Billboard, I'd say that also, like, speaks Black album moment. Literally had a black album moment. Literally. I mean, there's no other way to put it with All Hope is Gone. Um, it's, yeah, it's all there. And then when we get to their later years, you know, going into the 2010s and even like in 2022 with End So Far, um, it starts to have a downward trend for sure. But Point Five is a great chapter, man. I mean, that album to me still has so much like potential there that I feel like still gets overlooked. Because, I mean, Sarcastrophe, uh, AOV, fucking Custer, the negative one are like some of the heaviest in their discography, 
Like when Slipknot says that, like you know, they're coming out with something that's going to be Iowa levels of heavy. I never believe it. You know, I, it's it's not. It, it can't be. You cannot make that heavy of an album ever again. The closest I think we have to that album truly is this one. And I know that might be controversial considering we have songs like Kill Pop, Goodbye, uh, If Rain Is What You Want on here that are not even anywhere near the level of intensity as Iowa was. There still has there, there's still those, you know, raw moments on here that really give me the vibe of that a little bit, just not as dark, you know, like a sequel of sorts to Iowa, I would say. And, you know, that's just my take on that one personally, but I really think this is a beautiful tribute album to the late Paul Gray. I feel like it was very well done. I feel like this was truly their last good, solid album that I can listen to front to back and be very satisfied with at the end. And, uh, yeah, I feel like this is like the last point in their career where they had some sort of peak because we are not your kind at the end so far. It just does not do it for me at all. There is nothing memorable at all for the most part with both of these albums, including the more like, you know, uh, just obscure songs like Critical Darling, A Liar's Funeral, Orphan, My Pain. I could not tell you at all what those sound like from We Are Not Your Kind. And with the end so far being from 2022, which literally like less than at this point two years ago from when it actually released i barely remember the singles from this one uh as a whole i remember the dying songs like you know the cory taylor's like chorus and then everything else no i don't remember anything about at all and you know kind of goes back to the whole brand thing as well brand over band but like i said separate video for that one separate episode for that one uh but yeah in terms of like strength and songs and memorabilia and nostalgia and D all the above. Slipknot definitely has the cake with discography album wise. It is just no competition for me. It is purely some just, you know, amazing metal songs and albums in general from the band. Um, yeah, there's just no other way to put it for me. It's fantastic. Uh, but that's my side of things. Uh, going around now, Trent, what, what do you got to say about this? Uh, really quick, I do want to say that your point about uh, the great chapter, uh, I I kind of agree um, with how it kind of is like Iowa, like the most Iowa album that we've gotten since then. And, and that we probably um, will get. Like, I don't think they can we'll get ever. ever. Yeah. yeah we won't, like, we won't get that. Custer is people equal shit. It really is. And yes, absolutely. But but even furthering the point, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yes. so I was like, I wanted to make that example because I'm like, it literally yeah. is like the same thing, but like, it's still a banger song. It really um, is. And like, honestly, one of my favorite Slipknot songs, uh, probably top five, uh, comes off of the great chapter, and it's If Rain Is What You Want. Completely overlooked song, but it is it's a really, really good song because it's not Slipknot. No. You know, it's not Slipknot at all. But but the thing is, though, like, at the same time, I mean, you, you we already had Snuff at this point. And Snuff is, like, the slowest, you know, Slipknot Yeah, and Vermillion Part 2. Exactly. Until we die. Until we die. Until we die. Exactly. And previously yeah. mentioned with um, 
Danger Keep Away. That's the thing. Danger Keep them. Away. They have those songs that like are not them, but for some reason yeah, it works circle. on the album. It works. Even Circle. Yes, exactly. It just works. Yeah, so it's like, it's so, their discography is so interesting. But yeah, so I wanted to make that point because that one was like right in my brain. But no, I'm, I, pretty much everything you said I agree with. Like, the self-titled is Slipknot with Sick, Eyeless, Wait and Bleed, Surfacing, Spin It Out. Like, that is, that's, that's the shit. And then Iowa is angsty teenager everything has gone to shit um and yeah volume three volume three was one of the first cds i ever bought i bought what did i buy i bought no more tears by ozzy the self-title Avenged sevenfold and then volume three and i think i listened to volume three the most because it was just it was so good um, the blister exists. Opium of the people. Circle. Vermilion. Pulse of the mag. Pulse of the maggots. Ooh, so good for the middle point of the album. It's it's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then all hope is go- all hope is gone sucks because like I know that all of them in the band absolutely hate this album. <laughs> and it was they their all black hate album. it. <laughs> yeah, and it was their black album. It literally is. Because like I know Jim said like specifically he's like yeah he's like i hate this album so much um but it's it's good sulfur psychosocial dead memories gehenna snuff the title track like it's it's just good um and then when you get to the gray chapter like i said previously like it's also just it's also it's so good it's such a great great um how did you put it nate which one? So the Gray chapter. I'm fucking drawing. Oh, like a, tri- a tribute to Paul Gray. Tribute, tribute, yeah, yeah, to Paul Gray. And I think I think they did it really, really well. Um, but all those songs are just, just so good. And it's fucking. I forgot it's a fucking hour long. It's so goddamn long. Um, and then yeah, you get to We Are Not Your Kind on the end so far, and it kind of just falls out. So like, everything before twenty. 2014 and like before is just that is Slipknot and then you have all the fucking bullshit afterwards yeah, the bullshit afterwards yeah Use all the bullshit afterwards it's just it just sucks you know yeah but you know at least they have the legacy to show from their previous albums too so oh yeah they have that to hold up for them but yeah hell yeah um Sebastian what you got to say about him? Overall, definitely, I I don't know. I'm very, I from what I remember from our ranking, uh, I I I do feel largely the same way as I did when we did our worst the best ranking for all of Slipknot's discography, and I honestly just I I feel very similar to both of you guys. Like they they were so strong starting off. I mean, imagine your imagine your debut album is as good as Slipknot's debut album. <laughs> like, it's like it's such a good debut album, and honestly, like them and Corn are both like tied for having such a fucking banger of a breakout between the both of them. It's like it it can't be overstated how fucking good these guys were coming out the bat. Um, 
Iowa is still one of my favorite albums of all time. I I think Iowa just has this raw mo just like darkness, this hatred, this self lo this self loathing that I don't think any album could really reach. I mean, uh, maybe downward spiral. <laughs> I feel like that's like the closest one I can say that would like reach the level of like self loathe like self loathing and hatred of oneself. Uh, it's just it's so good. I love it. Uh, and then from there, obviously, they they had some dips and valleys. I think All Hope is Gone is definitely their most commercial, but also their most well-written album. I just I, I think it's just it's the the amount of singles that came off of this, the amount of praise, the fact that everyone was like screaming this. It It's so it's so iconic for a reason. It's like the black album. Uh, obviously I don't feel like this one's my favorite. Like I would with the black album from Metallica being my favorite Metallica album. Uh, like I, I think the commercialness really does kind of show with this album, but not in a bad way. Like it showed like a new direction for the band that I don't think many people were accepting or like ready for just yet. But when, when they were done with that, I mean, they, just went like really hard and did like that 0.5 degree chapter and when i say really hard i mean really hard in the feels uh it just it went straight just emotions rawness and it, it came close obviously not like the rawness that you would see in iowa but the rawness that you would see from like losing a best friend losing a family member all in one essentially and i i still think 0.5 degree chapter really does encapsulate that feeling really well because it's just that really uneasy feeling and it's just so back and forth on how you feel day to day so that that album really does work for that and from there um they made we are not your kind end so far and uh, uh case closed uh they definitely did not come out as hard on those two albums but i i will i will give a little bit of props to we are not your kind though it's not my favorite I think there are some really good standout tracks on it. Not as good in quality as anything before it, but definitely some to just keep in the Slipknot uh, grand playlist. You know, stuff that definitely cements the band is like, yeah, you know what? They've been around for 20 years at this point. Eh, what's another 20? You know, hey, at least they're making stuff that sounds a little bit similar to their older stuff. Um, yeah, and then after that, they made End So Far, and I was like, oh, that's that's cool. Mm -hmm. um, at least uh, at least it took them a while to get to that point. You know what I mean? Like, it, it took a while for them to get to a point where I can be like, okay, this is definitely just mid overall. I, I know I know a lot of people didn't care for We Are Not Your Kind, but I will take I will take that album every day of the week compared to End So Far. Like, but, you know, I'll, I'll agree with that point. Cause like yeah. at least at least we are not your kind has a lot of like catchier songs and like I can actually remember this album, <laughs> you know to the, the end so far. Degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the the end so far. I I only I I honestly don't remember a single song. I mean I remember one of the chorus, but I don't remember what song it is. It's probably uh, the dying song. Yeah, probably where it's like stick your hands into your water. Into the water. Yeah, yeah, that's the dying song. Yeah, that one. You know, um, <laughs> you know uh, the song about like broken water pipes. Uh, that one definitely was like, all the plumbers slipknot. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, dude. Like, I'm certified. Just call me. I got you, Corey. 
Um, but like, yeah, it's it, it's just it's cool to see this band and how they've changed over the years because like they they really did evolve super well with the times. Like I I think a lot of their sound is super timeless. A lot of it just works. A lot of it just inspires so much new growth. I mean, when I remember when Point Five came out, I that's like the first song that made me get like super, super, super into watching people drum and like how rhythms work. I, I remember when it came out, it was yeah, it was oh my god, yeah, this was middle school because I I was talking to you, Trent, about this yeah. song when it came out. Which yeah, one? Which song? Devil and I. Devil like, and I, yeah. Because I was like, oh my god, the drumming. Like it was you, me, and then friend of the channel, Dylan Drasdick as well. Um, we all we all just talked about this so much and how amazing the drumming was and just how fucking poignant it was. And now it's 2014, and honestly, oh my I, god, fucking DC trip. That's what I'm saying. Like that was like yeah. that's all we talked about because that's when that shit was coming out. That's when that shit was coming out. Yeah. Yeah, and like honestly, a lot of those feelings still hold up. So yeah, I I truthfully think a lot of these albums, regardless of how people feel, are truthfully timeless. Uh, you know, and that's what kind of gives me the point ahead for them rather than Corn, because Corn has some insanely fucking good albums in the beginning, but like over the years, I feel like they didn't age as comfortably in the uh, zeitgeist of like the metal and pop world. Cause I I'm going to say it's Slipknot's a little bit more pop in that aspect. Like they are a lot more accessible. So like that, that's what keeps like people coming back to them, you know? And like, they, they really fit the zeitgeist every time they put out an album aside from the end so far, um, <laughs> you know, they, they really do a good job, but just evolving and, I'll definitely give them the win for that one. Just the endless uh, trying to evolve. I, I will say, though, they need to stop saying that they're making heavier shit than Iowa. I I don't think they fucking can. Everyone says this for a reason. Like, they, they literally should not try to. Stop trying to outdo your older work. Just come up with new shit that's like... You know, don't say that it's going to be heavier than Iowa because it's going to make everyone mad when it's not heavier than Iowa. <laughs> For real, though. Facts. Like, imagine if I'm like, oh, yeah, or like uh, Tool came out and they're like, yeah, we're going to make something more raw than uh, Opiate. And then they come out with like... Uh, Fear Inoculum. I was going to say yeah. Fear Inoculum. <laughs> they did not do that, but imagine if they did, though. <laughs> imagine if they're like, we're going to make something more raw. Like, remember that scream in, in uh, Opiate? Yeah, I'm gonna outdo that. <laughs> and, he just, and he just goes, he just goes, uh. <laughs> yeah, fucking says, yeah, this next single coming out way harder than Opiate, and it's fucking descending. The thing is, right. though, with Tool, they would say that, and they would do that to troll their own fans, like intentionally. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, they Maynard would 100% do it. Easily. Yeah, Maynard, Maynard just hates everyone that listens to Tool at this point, so. <laughs> he's like yeah go see go see Pussifer instead dumbass yeah <laughs> literally oh man but yeah yeah no excellent points everything um I mean yeah I think it's safe to say we can kind of like wrap it up here with an overall who the, the better of the two here um we'll just quickly go around I mean between Corn and Slipknot I think for me no contest it's Slipknot I mean come on come on uh Trent who do you think 
I'm gonna have to go Slipknot. As much as I love Corn, it's Slipknot just overall better albums. Take, I'm gonna be honest. They just, take the cake. they just take the cake and run with it. They they really do. Yeah, but hey, listen. At least like we can say their '90s runs. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like. Corn, like I, I will, I will always give them the respect they deserve. Cause, like, at least, hey, I, I, I and you mentioned this. It was either you or, uh, it was either you, Nate, or Trent that mentioned this in the beginning. At least Jonathan Davis is not like on the cover of Loudwire every single week. And I know it's yeah, it was we're, me. We're, we're, yeah, we're always fucking talking about like we're always talking about metal and stuff. So we always see that shit. But man. <laughs> Slipknot, you see, get Corey out of the dude, please. Get him did out. you see the thing about like all the fans posting on all of Loudwire's posts? Like, where's Jonathan Davis's happy birthday post? Because they all they were doing was posting about Green Day that his whole birthday. Right, I didn't see that, but still, dude, it's so funny. Such an yeah, of them. Ugh. yeah. But, but hey, at least they're making money doing what they love. <laughs> right. I was gonna say those Sebastian. So like, since it's you. Corner Slipknot. I I have to go Slipknot. I mean, I I love both bands. You know, almost almost equally, but I Slipknot is is it, it's they're a gateway band. They've done it for me for so many years, and honestly, it's just they are what I think of when I think of like, you know, genre defining metal. Right. Absolutely. Especially new metal. Especially new metal. I mean. Fuck! Like without without them and corn, you would not you would not have a lot of the sounds that we hear today. No, absolutely not. They are just the most influential ones. Them and Lincoln Park for sure. You know. And oh Def- yeah, Lincoln and Deftones. Yeah. But like you know, if we're just talking between these two, I mean, yeah, like I get you. Yeah, for sure. Um, Fucking Deftones, dude! Literally, the Deftones core is a thing. <laughs> I mean, but like Deftones did, I feel like veered off of that new metal thing pretty quick. Oh, for sure, yeah, definitely. But like, like, yeah. yeah. Even then, like, that still huge influence, you know, from even a previously oh, yeah. known new metal band. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, but yeah, all right, there you have it. That was a long episode, but that was like you know very fun to go over and everything. Hope you all enjoyed it as well. Uh, before we dip on out, though, we'll, we'll give you an album recommendation for you. Um, Sebastian, do you want to start it out actually for this one? Sure. So uh, as far as albums go, I do have one that I just listened to courtesy of uh, Mr. Stats from the Stats Brothers Band himself. Uh, he recommended to me. Um, why? Okay. The Nashville Sound by uh, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit. Uh, it is very it much. Sounds like a band would listen to. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's very much newer Americana country. Uh, it's it's similar to like that of like a Zach Bryan, tired uh, Tyler Childers. Wow, I can't pronounce words today. Uh, it's very it's very rustic, but with a lot of newer edge to it. A lot of the themes don't lean as conservative or anything like too polarizing as a lot of uh, modern pop country would uh kind of make you think but this it's a very it's very wholesome it's very uh it's very grassroots it just it has a lot of older nostalgia that does not lean too heavily into that that i think is really good 
Um, I did listen to another album by them, but I decided to choose the one that I felt like was the best between the two. Some of the songs on here, if you want to just listen to uh, some of the songs on there, uh, if you want to just like get a couple and then maybe go into the album afterwards, I think uh, White Man's World is a good one on there. And uh, yes, the, the message is is not for or pro that. It's uh, it's it's a more progressive. Don't worry. <laughs> um, from there it goes chaos and clothes. I like that one. It's very catchy, very fun. Um, I think Cumberland Cap is also a good song as well. And then Last of My Kind from the beginning. Any of those, if you want to listen to them, if you think it's like good, then you'll like the rest of the album. If you don't, then it might not be your thing. But yeah, this is some really good rustic kind of country. Definitely worth checking out. Hell yeah. Trent, what you got? Uh, Ingested just put out a new single uh, from their new album, uh, The Tide of Death and Fractured Dreams. It's called Paragon of Purity. Uh, I'm hyped for this album. I don't know if y'all are, but oh, yeah. the single is oh, really, really, sure yeah, single is really, really good. Um, they've got two people coming in for uh, fucking feature vocal tracks. I can't remember what uh, the dude from Chimera, and then I don't know the other one. Um, but no, uh, the single Paragon of Purity, really, really good single. Hype for the album. Go check it out. Oh yeah, uh, I'll keep mine short and sweet too on the heavier side. Well, with Terror, one with the underdogs, really solid hardcore album. It's so funny because the one time I saw Terror, like uh, 2019, they looked like, you know, they were like an older hardcore band because like you know, the guys looked a little older, but they kicked ass live. Like, you know, they look like a bunch of dads that just like know how to fucking throw down. And this album here just kind of like shows what they were like in their prime because damn, this shit is like one of the best hardcore albums I think I've ever heard in general. It is so fun. It's pretty heavy. Breakdowns are there. You know, it's it's a great time. Definitely worth checking out. There's one with the underdogs by Terror. Uh, but yeah, there you have it with the episode. Trust the best. As always, thank you for joining. Yeah. We'll see you guys in the next episode. This has been a Music Corner. Rosetta Waits. And we are signing out.